Amen. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, last week we began uh, a new study and that of the gospel according to Luke. And we're going to carry on in chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. You can find it in your pew Bible in front of you there. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were righteous before God and walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he'll turn away many of the children of Israel. Excuse me. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go, go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was spent, sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the days that these things take place, because you did not believe in my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. For five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, he may be seated. In the early 1900s, Mr. Henry Clay Frick started a company, the H.C. Frick Coke Company. Now, Coke in this case was not Coca-Cola, just in case you wondered, but rather coal. His company supplied the majority of coal for the burgeoning iron and steel companies in the Pittsburgh area in the late 19th century and 20th century, the beginning of the 20th century. And essentially, his company became a monopoly in the area, and thus he became very well-to-do. Well, he and his wife, Adelaine, sought some time away from Pittsburgh, and so they went on a trip, or went on a vacation to Europe, mixing a little bit of business with pleasure. By all accounts, they had a lovely time. But before they were able to go home, Adelaine, his wife, twisted her ankle, and quite badly. She required medical attention and a time to rest and recoup. Well, this 
accident delayed their trip and their return home. And Mr. Frick, being a good businessman, did not like delays. He enjoyed his time, but he was needing to get back. But he could not just leave his wife before, and so he was just stuck and probably grumbling and complaining that they had to spend extra time instead of being able to get back home. And to rub salt in the wound, their return trip would now have to be made on less luxurious accommodations. Because you see, Mr. Frick had booked tickets, tickets that they would now no longer be able to use, on the maiden voyage of the newest ship of the White Star Line, the Titanic. And well, the rest, as you know, is history, as they say. And so a sprained ankle, a delay, a bothered, a canceled trip, was all part of the Lord's providence and ultimately protection. You might even say it was a blessed interruption and hindrance. And I wonder how often the Lord has done something similar in our lives, perhaps not in such a dramatic way as this, but times when we have not gotten what we have wanted or where we have wanted to go or when we've wanted it. Because of a delay, no messengers. There was no message from the Lord. There was radio silence from heaven. Think about that, 400 years. We, we don't really put that in context, do we? We don't really understand how long 400 years really is, but 400 years is longer than our nation has been in existence. And there was nothing. And so no doubt many were thinking, where is the Lord? Has he forgotten? Has he moved on? And others, no doubt, were thinking, well, this is just a a new day, a new era. The days of Abraham and David and and Moses, those were yesteryear. We don't really need to be concerned about that anymore. We can live and do how we please. So in other words, these were barren days, politically, economically, religiously. And yet, in the middle of that, this historical context Luke introduces the first characters of the gospel. Not Mary and Joseph, they will come, but another couple, an old couple, wrinkled and withered and perhaps even smelling like prune juice, Zachariah and Elizabeth. And you think, what could the Lord do with them? They're past their prime. They should be put out to pasture. And yet, what we read is that they were a faithful couple, a faithful remnant, perhaps part of the chosen few, the the true few believers in that day. We read that Zechariah was a priest of the line of Abijah. Elizabeth was from the daughters of Aaron, meaning that they were both from the tribe of Levi. They were Levites. You remember the Levites, don't you? The tribe chosen by the Lord to be devoted servants of his Selected for a special purpose, to serve the tabernacle and then the temple to everything from the maintenance to the collection to the daily sacrifices. They were to be the ones that offer up the worship unto the Lord on behalf of the people. In other words, the Levites, if we put it in our modern context, were the deacons, they were the elders, they were the ministers of the day. They had a special calling upon their life. But many Levites, no doubt, perhaps treated this like just the family business. 
This was just their job. It was a, a job that they had to do and nothing more. I remember once talking to a funeral home director. His father had started the, the funeral home that he had now worked at, and I was just speaking with him, a little small talk, and I said, so you decided to follow in your father's footsteps. And he said, not Zechariah. And that was not Elizabeth. Luke makes it abundantly clear and gives two descriptions of them, that they were righteous and blameless. You see that, right? In verse 6, they were righteous before God. They walked blamelessly in the commandments and statues of the Lord. They were righteous, or they were holy, meaning that they were set apart by the Lord. They had this special calling upon them. They were special servants of the Lord, and you can see that they took that calling seriously. They lived out that reality on a daily basis. They were blameless on all the commandments and statues of the Lord. Were they sinless? No, but they were rather above reproach. There was no one that was going to accuse them of wrongdoing. They were true believers, faithful Old Testament saints that loved the Lord and served the Lord. And it's a good reminder to us that the light of God's revelation and of his people at times might become dim in a culture. It was during this day, no doubt. But the light did not, nor does it ever go out. The Lord always has his people, no matter where you are. And we need to be reminded of that. Remember, Elijah needed to be reminded of that when he cried out to the Lord and said to the Lord, I am alone. I am the only one that is left that fears the Lord. And now they seek to kill me. And the Lord essentially has to pat Elijah on the head and says, settle down, Elijah. No, you are not. I have several thousand that have not bowed the knee to false gods. Satan, no doubt, since the beginning of the time, has been trying to snuff out the seed of the woman, but he cannot. The Lord's purpose and his church always stands. And that's what we see in this time. It's, yes, it might have dwindled down to just a few, but there were these faithful few. We see two of them here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, righteous and blameless, And because they were righteous and blameless, no doubt they were blessed and they were carefree and they were without any troubles and distresses at all, right? They were healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Because as soon as it tells of their character, it says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And not only barren, but advanced in years. In other words, that ship had sailed. And so... We see that what was taking place nationally was taking place also individually. That Elizabeth's barrenness was a reflection of the barrenness of that time. And Elizabeth and Zechariah are a clear demonstration to us that godly people suffer and they endure inflictions. And it's no fault of their own. It's no judgment upon them. It's no discipline because of their sins. It simply was and is life in a fallen world. No child and as a result, perhaps no hope. And yet, many tears, much sorrow and sadness and many 
many questions of God, a reality that all of us know well. And we don't always know why, do we? Only this, that during such times, we can be confident that the Lord is yet doing a work. He's doing a deep work. That the roots of faith have to go down deep because there is no water on the surface. They have to go and find another source. And that source is the Lord. And it needs to be in that time that we rest in that reality that we do not know and we end in need of. That's even amidst the afflictions and sorrows. We can be fruitful and our leaf does not wither. Well, Zachariah and Elizabeth were such trees. Though outwardly it may not appear so because they were barren and childless, perhaps in a state of hopelessness, and yet they were trees planted by streams of water, that water and that stream being the Lord. But it is in those times, oftentimes, that the Lord does break through and does what is quite unexpected. And that is exactly what we see in this passage. In our second point, the point is the foretold or foretelling. The story is quite familiar to you. Zechariah is chosen by Lot to be the priest that brings the incense into the inner courts of the temple. It would have been a once-in-a-lifetime event. Once chosen, you would never be chosen again. And he was chosen seemingly by chance. But we know that there is no such thing as chance in the Lord's economy. As the late R.C. Sproul used to say, tongue-in-cheek, chance, no, no such luck. It was during his priestly duty, bringing this incense in, which was a symbolic act of bringing in the prayers of God's people to the Lord. In fact, while the people were praying, there appears an angel, later revealed as Gabriel. No, not a fat chubby cherubim baby is often depicted, but rather a fierce warrior, an angel of glory. And we know this because Zechariah was filled with fear. Anyone that met an angel of the Lord was always filled with fear. But this angel comes not with a message of judgment, but a message of joy. Listen to what Gabriel says to Zechariah. First, he says, do not be afraid. But then he says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but there's someone that needs to hear that today. Your prayers have been heard. And in reality, we, we all need to hear that, that when the, our Lord, our Father, hears our prayers, the cries of his children, those prayers are heard. Just like when a child petitions his parent. Those petitions never fall on deaf ears. Now, we as parents may not always fulfill every petition that falls upon our ears, but nevertheless, they are always heard. How much more so the Lord? And how much should that encourage us also to pray? To pray to our Father, to pray to the Lord individually and corporately. What a privilege it is to pray. And not to just pray, but to have our prayers heard by God. And that's exactly what Gabriel says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. I am here to tell you that they have been answered. 
You've waited a long time for this, but it is worth the wait because your son, Zechariah, will be born to you. Your wife, Elizabeth, yes, she is barren. Yes, she is old and aged, but she is going to bear a son to you and you shall name him John. And not only will you have a son, but this was going to be a special son. This is a special son. He will have a special purpose. First of all, he will bring you joy and gladness. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord is no killjoy. There is going to be no more gloom, Zechariah, at least not in this. Rather, this is going to be a time of joy. And not only just a time of joy for you, but for many. Why? Because this son, he's going to be great before the Lord. Parents, you want to pray a bold prayer for your children? This is it. Pray that they would be great before the Lord. Not that they would be a great quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs or a CEO of a wonderful company. No, that they would be great before the Lord. And that this one would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Now note, this is just a side point, but the Holy Spirit does not come upon a blob of cells. He rather comes upon a person within the womb. That is how the Lord, and in particular, this messenger of the Lord views the unborn baby and all unborn babies as persons. The Holy Spirit comes upon a person. This child will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And as such, he has a special task. He's going to turn the hearts of many to the Lord. He's going to be like Elijah. Through his work, revival will take place. It is a time of darkness. This is a place of darkness. But this place is going to be flooded with lights in anticipation of the great light, the light of the world that is to come. Zechariah, your son is going to make ready the way of the Lord. He's going to be the forebearer. He's going to be the torch lighter. He's going to be like Paul Revere, but unlike Paul Revere that brought bad news that the British were coming, he's going to bring good news that the Lord is coming. What an announcement this is. Some of you, when you are expecting, have some pretty cute, we are expecting announcements. Well, this is an ultimate unexpected announcement. This wasn't just a surprise. This was a no way Jose And that's exactly how Zechariah responds. Even though this message was sent just for him, this angel was to come to give him this good news. This glorious announcement goes from a crescendo to a thud, from an angel song to a skeptical retort. And that is what we see in our third point that we see Zechariah. He is forgotten. Look at Zechariah's response, verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, now just stop right there, read that again. Zechariah said to the angel, he should have stopped right there. (laughs) That should have been enough for Zechariah. He should have zipped it, but ultimately he does not. He keeps going. He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. He says, I am old and my wife, well, she's really old. No doubt if Elizabeth was there, 
she would have smacked him. But saying, how will I know this is going to take place in a sense? You're going to have to provide something more. You're going to have to provide a sign to me that I can really believe you, that I can really trust you. How will I know this? In that moment, I would have loved to have seen Gabriel's face. I think it would have been something like this. Lord, are you sure these are the people you want to save? Because they don't seem too bright. And they're going to need a lot of help. Okay, um, Zachariah, you want to sign. I just showed up out of nowhere in the temple to speak to you. You need a sign, you're looking at it, right? That is essentially what Gabriel says to him. Slight embellishment, of course, but that is essentially what Gabriel says to him. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you, to bring to you this good news, and yet you're asking for a sign, and yet you doubt. I've sent on orders from the throne to you, to this place, this day. And you're going to question me? I guess so. But in reality, you're just going to have to keep your mouth closed. You're going to have to shut your mouth for a moment. In fact, I'm going to help you with that, Zachariah. I'm going to make you mute until the time this child is born so that you have plenty of time to think and not so much time to speak. Because you did not believe my words. Ultimately, you did not believe the words of the Lord. Now, this might seem a little harsh, but not only was the angel's presence enough for Zechariah, or should have been enough reason to believe, Zechariah was a priest, meaning he was well-rehearsed in the Old Testament history. And what do we read throughout the Old Testament? Well, we read of barren couples, those that are well beyond the age of giving birth, right? Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Rachel, Samson's parents, Manoah and his wife. We read of Hannah and her husband, Elkanah. In other words, the Old Testament is replete with examples of barrenness, and yet what was the result? A a child, and not just any child, but you think about it, Isaac and Joseph and Samson and Samuel. These were significant children. These were leaders of Israel, greatly used by the Lord. And Zechariah is being told the same. The Lord has heard your prayers. He is answering them. He's going to give you a son, and not just a son, but a mighty and great son. In fact, Jesus will say that John was the greatest of all that were born of women, used of the Lord. Zechariah's response should have been, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Instead, it was, come on, are are you sure? I'm going to need a little bit more. And yet what was even more indicting than all of that is Zechariah's very name. Zechariah in Hebrew, you ready for this, means the Lord remembers. Yes, the Lord had been silent for 400 years. Yes, he had been silent in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth for several years, but had he forgotten No, Zechariah had forgotten, but the Lord had not forgotten. In other words, the Lord had Zechariah, but Zechariah had not Zechariah. 
His own name testified against him. As Zechariah had moved on to the points where he thought that the Lord would not work in the life of Israel and perhaps in his own life, he had turned off those lights. He had packed away those dreams. He had put away that hope. Perhaps in his heart, his heart had grown cold and distant. And yet, praise the Lord, the Lord hadn't done the same. Zechariah had forgotten. But the Lord had remembered. The Lord always remembers his promises. And that time of fulfillment had come. And I wonder this morning if we're not altogether different than Zechariah. Have we forgotten? Yes, we might give Zechariah a hard time for speaking back to an angel. But don't we do the same to the Lord? Maybe not in words directly, but when we fail to believe his word, when we fail to apply his promises, aren't we saying the same thing? Lord, how can I believe? How can I know? How can I be fully sure this is true? When we receive the word of you are fully forgiven is our response, I don't know, am I? You're dressed in the righteous robes of Jesus Christ? No. You're a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Come on. The Lord is coming back any day? Well, that's not going to happen. It's probably going to happen a long time from now. That's just too great. It's too glorious. What should this story tell us? That the Lord is in the business of the great and the glorious. And that he's bringing it about. And so sometimes, oftentimes, we need to keep our mouths shut and our minds silent. And we need to simply accept the good news. We need to rest and receive it and be amazed and marvel at it. We simply need to say, amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is gracious and good to a sinner like me. We need the glorious good news of the gospel not just on Sunday, but every day, every single day. There's a beautiful scene in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. There's a man with a a muckrake in his hand, only looking down, and he is raking the, the filth and the muck out of the barn. If you've never worked on a farm, then you probably don't know what type of filth and muck that is, but it is filth and muck. But all the while, as he is raking, looking down, there's an angel holding out a celestial crown above his head. And Bunyan, through this interpreter, says man's natural bent is downward and thinks that life is all that there is, that this life is all that there is. All the while, he's never looking up to glory above and to the glory that awaits My friends, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth should say we should always look up. Our heads should always be tilted up at our God and not at our circumstances, not at our surroundings. We must not forget who our God is and we must not forget the promises that he has given, both what the Lord has done, is doing, and will do. Let us not doubt. Let us not be fickle and faithless. Even though the Lord may tarry, 
Even though the Lord may not work at our timeline, even though the entire world may go in a different direction, that is okay. Remain faithful. Remember the promises of God. Remember your God because he indeed is faithful. He is Zechariah. The Lord remembers. He is steadfast. He remembers and he has not forgotten. His purposes endure. His promises always come to fulfillment. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. As some count slowness, Peter says, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Perhaps, my friends, this is a season of barrenness in your life. Circumstantially, materially, physically, whatever it is, if it is, be a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaves does not wither because your roots go deep, deep into who the Lord is. That is a promise for the young as well as for the old. That is a promise for the hopeful as well as some of us at times who are doubters, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth. But we can be sure of this. We never lack reason for hope. We have true hope, not just a hope so. For the same God who gave John to Elizabeth and Zechariah is the same God that has given his son to this world for our salvation. The hope of the world. The one who is shattering hopelessness forever. Indeed, he is the one that has dried our tears and healed our barrenness for all eternity. Amen. Join me in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, we are oftentimes as faithless as Zechariah, forgetting to remember the good news of the gospel, the good news of the promises that you have made throughout Scripture, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that your children never lack bread, that we have always what we stand in need of. Lord, that you are indeed our daily bread. You are our manna from heaven. Lord, and that we need not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own, but you give enough strength for today. Lord, all of these things, oftentimes, we doubt and we wonder. Lord, would you bear us up, even in our fickle nature, even in our faithless nature, even as we doubt, oh Lord, would you come alongside. And we say this morning, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us to remember those promises. Help us to remember that indeed you are faithful. Help us to remember that you are indeed Zechariah, the one that remembers and that will bring to fruition and fulfillment all that you have commanded. And as a result, Lord, would we marvel? Would we be amazed Would we say, yes, this is too glorious, too wonderful, and yet I believe every bit of it because we believe it in your Son, our Savior, who has come to heal the world and to heal us. We praise you for that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Well, join me then in singing our hymn of...